This is a great view, I concur. This morning we're continuing our series on saints, mystics, and misfits. Certainly saints and mystics can feel a bit unattainable. <laughs> so I figured since I'm presuming most of us, at least spiritually, have felt like misfits at some point in our lives or we wouldn't be here. So I wanted to focus this morning on something a bit more attainable for us. So focusing on misfits and on something called the middle road and the creative path. I'm going to um, share a little bit after the reading about my path as a misfit since it's my first time speaking here. I have um, spoken in other spiritual communities previously, but very happy to be doing it here the first time. And then I'm gonna talk about creativity as the middle road and then share some, some guideposts along the road. So let's begin with our reading this morning. This is from a book called Blessed Are the Weird, a Manifesto for Creatives by Jacob Nordby. And these are each uh, different excerpts from, from his book, so they're not gonna flow as one. We inhabit a clanking, rusty machine world that we have all built together down through the course of these many, many generations. It has a shiny modern exterior, but the insides are dry as a desert, and we are exhausted by the demand to keep it all running no matter what. We, the world, want our soul back. We are parched for it. We are starving for it. We are also afraid that to pursue it means giving up everything we have built along the way. We believe that this is a sucker's choice either or, but there is an and option, a third way. In our binary dominated world, it is all too easy to notice just on, off, black, white, yes, no. We need more options. We are being asked by the times in which we live to find a middle road some way to navigate out of the tired old ruts. Misfits who accept their gift of not fitting in are the ones who use the tension and loneliness to forge something magnificent. They inspire us to rise above our mundane and painfully ordinary circumstances to achieve the extraordinary in our lives. We are here to reclaim what makes us unique and powerful. We are here to learn how to love ourselves and leverage our gifts into a victory so satisfying and personal that we will outstrip the doubts about whether or not we were ever worthy. I could just make that my talk, right? <laughs> so, did you hear the one about the priest, the minister, and the rabbit who walked into a blood bank together? They were asked what their blood type was, and the priest said, I'm type A, and the minister said, I'm type B, and the rabbit said, I'm pretty sure I'm a typo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
I certainly felt a bit like a typo <laughs> growing up. I felt like a child of immigrant parents, even though my, my ancestors have been in this country for many generations. I can pretty much sum up the way I felt in Wonder Bread versus Whole Wheat Bread. I grew up in the 70s and everyone I knew ate Wonder Bread. All the kids at school, their parents, everybody. We ate whole wheat bread. We didn't eat the whole wheat bread that you bought on the shelf at the store, which I think was called Roman meal or something at the time. No, we made our bread from whole wheat flour that we ground from wheat that was delivered to our house in the inner city in Indianapolis on a semi-truck and invariably, the driver would walk up and knock on the door, just shaking his head. And he'd go, I know I've got the wrong address here. Did somebody here order eight 50-pound bags of wheat? And we'd be like, yep, can you carry it in for us? <laughs> Not only were my parents health food freaks long before anybody else was into health food, but they were incredibly strict about everything, our education, our homework, our schedules. Think Captain Von Trapp strict. I was not allowed, for example, to shave until I was 16. So I was the only girl in my freshman gym class who had not shaved. I felt like a misfit. Spiritually, we were Caseyist Catholics. So the Catholic part of that's probably obvious, but we were traditional Catholics at a time that Catholicism was not tra traditional. This was post-Vatican II. At school, we were sitting holding rocks and feeling our oneness with God and the universe. At home, we were reading the Bible every night and at Sunday dinner and praying the rosary. Um, we were going to the Stations of the Cross. So even in my Catholicism, in my Catholic school, I was the odd one out. The caseiest part of that is, is a bit of a paradox. My dad was a huge fan of an American psychic named Edgar Casey, who lived in the 1800s and uh, early 1900s. That meant that besides the stuff, the Catholic stuff we were doing, we were also discussing reincarnation and dream interpretation and Atlantis and astrology and all this other stuff that now is considered new age at the time. I don't know what it was called, but it was a weird combination. Everything about my childhood felt weird. Now, I've got to do a little disclaimer here because this is going to be, you know, posted publicly. Publicly, I love my parents, and I appreciate a tremendous number of things that they did for me, especially their emphasis on education and making us do book reports at home, or I wouldn't be standing here speaking. <laughs> Into adulthood, I guess I'd gotten used to feeling like a misfit and didn't care quite so much what anybody thought. I have a friend who says, I'm a pioneer, not a settler, and that's always resonated with me. In my work life, I have been a music therapist whose primary work has been as a parent and as an administrative support professional, not as a music therapist, including work in retail, manufacturing, 
I learned to drive a high-low. I learned to design kitchen cabinets. I've worked in logistics and in county and uh, state government. But I've also been a pianist and a piano teacher. I write poetry. I've been a speaker and led workshops. I've been a member and leader on committees and support groups. As a spiritual seeker, I went from Catholicism to feminist Catholicism because I went to an all-women's college in Indiana. Then I moved on once I became pregnant and wasn't married and couldn't receive communion anymore. <laughs> I found unity churches, independent New Thought churches, and then left churches altogether and dove into feminist theology and spirituality and women's circles. And then finally, I found C3, which I affectionately consider an island of misfits, where I fit perfectly. But hearkening back to our reading, perhaps we are all misfits in this modern world. As Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga sing in the love song, Shallow, tell me something, boy. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? And as Jacob Norby wrote, can we use the tension and loneliness to forge something magnificent? to rise above our mundane and painfully ordinary circumstances to achieve the extraordinary in our lives. I'd like to suggest that we can use our misfitness as a gift and that the creative path can be one facet of the middle road. Obviously, there can be many facets and you know, any of us could probably do a talk on each of those. Service work can be an important facet of the middle road, of finding meaning in our lives, purpose, a way to balance the modern world with our humanity and what makes us thrive as human beings. But I believe that creativity and the creative path can move us out of the shallows of modern life and into the depths of what it means to be fully human. So in talking about the creative path, I'd like to share a tiny bit about a mentor of mine um, and about some instructions that he gave for making music that I think are good, good life instructions for the middle road. So this person's name is David Darling. He was a cellist. Um, as a young man, he played at lectures given by Joseph Campbell, played before and during the intermission and afterwards. And he took Joseph Campbell's admonition to follow your bliss to heart. He made music his life, even when it barely supported him or his family. He taught college and private students. He performed, um, eventually gained some success um, and, and notoriety in the Paul Winter Consort, which was a pioneer in the world music movement. He performed with Bobby McFerrin and Spira Gyra, recorded music for movies. 
And I want to note, at the age of 69, which gives me hope and something to look toward, he did eventually win a Grammy for Best New Age Album. But his passion was teaching, and teaching that music is for everyone. He did workshops that were about music improvisation for self-expression. He believed that singing and dancing and making music on instruments and telling stories are part of what it means to be human and is an innate right as a human, that it's not reserved for trained musicians or poets or dancers. So he would bring these groups of people together for a, a couple of days who had never met, uh, many with no musical experience at all, or in my case, trained musicians who were terrified to make a sound that wasn't written out on a piece of paper in front of them with that security. And he would give them some simple instructions, and then they would make music together. And it was remarkable. I wish that I could like take you into that. M music, moving music would be produced on the spot by these people who had never made music together. So I want to share the instructions that he gave. And this applies, again, whether it's, whether it's art or poetry or gardening or baking, whatever it is that gives you a way to connect with your inner creativity. And they're pretty good instructions just for life, too, and relationships. So the first is, make one quality sound. Care about that sound. Connect with that sound. Love that sound, whatever it is. Bring it out from within. And then connect that to one more quality sound. And one more, but always quality over quantity. The next was, listening is as important as playing. When you do not have a quality sound to contribute, Contribute your silence. Listen to those who are contributing and listen within. The variety in our voices and instruments make our music richer and more interesting. Music, poetry, art is not just for those who have a traditional training, a traditional perspective. It's for all of us. And last, we are responsible for the vibrations that we send out. So then I wanted to share some signs along the middle road, and I'm sure each of you could contribute your own. I look forward to hearing those afterwards in the, the talk back. But just, just some signs that we're on the right track. Take cues from your childhood. For me, um, one of my havens as a child was obviously learning music and to play the piano and singing. But I also loved board games and I loved to sit in trees. I wish I could find a way to do that as an adult, <laughs> if you know of any job. 
I love to write, and I still write poetry. I love to do puzzles. I still do that. I love to look at beautiful art, and I still do that. And friendships were also a haven. I think there's something creative about creating a relationship, about how we paint ourselves and how we see the other person that taps into our, our deep humanity. The next is express what's inside of you. So I'm gonna break that down, express. So get out what's inside of you, not someone else. You don't need to tell anyone else's story. I saw a quote recently that I thought expressed this far more beautifully than I ever could, and I, I hope I'm saying her name right. Haim Ora, she is originally from Nigeria. She's an artist. You gotta resurrect the deep pain within you and give it a place to live that's not within your body. Let it live in art. Let it live in writing. Let it live in music. Let it be devoured by building brighter connections. Your body is not a coffin for pain to be buried in. Just love that. Your body is not a coffin for pain to be buried in. Put it somewhere else. So the next one I want to share, uh, these next two are from a book called Don't Keep Your Day Job by Kathy Heller. Contrary to the title, it's really not about jumping off the deep end and quitting your job and just trying to do your hobby to support yourself. It's really about how we express our creativity. But something she said that I hadn't heard put this way before is to be willing to iterate so many of us, especially in this time of social media, want a beautiful, finished, polished product that we can put out there on Instagram or Facebook for the world to see, whether it's you know the first time we used a recipe and now we want to share it with the world, or the first time we've painted, we, we want it to be social media worthy. That's not what the creative path is about. It's about doing the work. Alex Haley has this, um, this writing about um, being in the shadowlands, about that if you want to be a writer, it's not about being published and the talking tours and the releases and the fame. It's about being a writer. It's about doing the work that you are a writer because you are a writer, because you can't help but write. So find that thing and do it with a beginner's mind. Be willing to be a beginner. Just be willing to iterate. And then the next idea that I got from Kathy Heller is that your creativity is for your people. It's not for everybody. Not everybody's going to love what you create. And that's okay. It's for your people. For many of us, it might be the way that we find our tribe, the misfits like us, the people who see with the same perspective that we see. And it takes courage 
to start putting that out there, right? But we're not here to look down at our navels and bemoan our misfitness, right? We're here to lend a hand back or to the side. And our creativity and our art, whatever form that is, again, can be a way to signal to other people along the path, hey, I'm, I'm this kind of misfit. Hey, I see from this perspective. And it helps us find our community and encourage those around us. So the last one is surround yourself with people on the middle road, creatives, thinkers, doers, people who inspire you, who remind you that despite the full-time job, the full-time volunteer work, the bills, the laundry, the groceries, all the things that we all have to do every day of our lives, that this is important, that this is worth pursuing, that this is part of being a human being, and it's part of what keeps us sane in this modern world. So I'd like to, to close with... Um, a quote from Brandy Carlisle. Um, some of you may know her. Um, she writes and sings um, kind of folk rock, Americana, loose country, uh, kind of a multi-talented woman. Um, she's gotten more fame recently. She wrote a book called Broken Horses that's about her life that I highly recommend. Um, if anybody's a misfit, it was her. And although she has some fame now, she certainly didn't start out that way. She just started out because she was a singer and songwriter, and that's what she had to do. So this is from a song called I Have a Voice that she recorded with Alicia Keys, and it's also a tribute to our community here. I Have a Voice started out as a whisper, turned into a scream, made a beautiful noise, shoulder to shoulder, marching in the street. When you're all alone, it's a quiet breeze, but when you band together, it's a choir of thunder and rain. Now we have a choice, because I, we have a voice. Thank you so much.